Welcome to this week's sermon from Heights Worship Center. We believe God has something for you today. We hope this message encourages and inspires you. We're going to talk about our, our topic today with Bible engagement is we serve together. Tell your neighbor that. We serve So we've been talking about really the fundamentals of church life. We talked about water baptism. We talked about communion. And now we talk about the importance of working together, living together, fellowshipping together, serving together. Because, you know, when you believe in Jesus, his death, his resurrection, we talked about with baptism and communion, then you know what? You are adopted into God's family. Now, communion is the reminder that we're gathered at the Lord's table. Everybody says it's the Lord's. Okay, it ain't your table, my table. It's the Lord's table. No man gets to put their stamp on that table. That table is the Lord's, yeah, the Lord's table. You got to say it like that. The Lord's table. <laughs> and at the Lord's table, we all come together and we share in the meal of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. It is the very life of Jesus Christ, crucified and resurrected, that is the common denominator, the unifying factor, the great equalizer between young and old and different nations and tribes and tongues and educations and backgrounds is Jesus. And in Christ we are one. We are all one in Christ. And I love that. But you know, when you come to the Lord's table, everybody say the Lord's table. We're going to do this a lot today so we stay awake after a long weekend. All right? So just bear with me. We're going to be doing it. It's helping me. It's helping you. Everybody say amen. Amen. All right. So when we come to the Lord's table, that's where we begin to learn the new family culture we've been adopted into. Every family has its own culture. And I'm not talking about Filipino or black or Mexican or white. I'm talking about your values right? How you behave yourself in this certain family. Every family is different, right? Well, in God's family, all of a sudden now we got to learn a new way. It's like when two people get married, even if they're of the same ethnicity, they got different family cultures they're coming from. And all of a sudden they got to learn a new way. And it ain't an easy thing. All the married people say, Amen. Now, when you marry someone of a different ethnic background, all the more challenging. All the diverse racial couples say amen. Amen. I know we got a lot of them. (laughs) And it's just a challenge to come from what you've known, what you understand, your values, the way you've been raised, the way you grew up, what's been taught to you, to all of a sudden find yourself in a new family whether one by marriage or adoption, and now you got to learn new family values. Why? Because you're seated at the Lord's table. Say it again, the Lord's. And so we got to learn how the Lord wants us to behave at the Lord's table. Tell your neighbor, uh (laughs) uh-oh. And so the way we learn how to walk according to the Lord's table and the Lord's way is we got to learn what the Lord says. Amen? We got to know what the word of God says. We got to spend time with Jesus. We got to hang out at the Lord's table. And I'll tell you, there are some lessons that you and I learn best when we live in community at the Lord's table. Because it's one thing for me to learn patience when I read scripture that I need to have patience. It's another thing when I'm serving in a church with people that have different ideas, different personalities, different ways of doing it. Then I really get to learn patience. Come on, in this house, we should say, amen. When you're working with people that don't think like you, act like you, talk like you, look like you, you got an opportunity to practice the fruit of the Spirit. You learn it well when you serve together. And this weekend we had four different churches, even different languages, different denominations, working as one. And I can tell you, as part of the leadership team, we got to learn how to live together and grow like Jesus. Because that's the beauty of it. We are called to have relationship with each other, right? The kingdom of God is about relationship. It's not about religion. Tell your neighbor, uh-uh. Mm-mm. It's about relationship. 
And because it's about relationship, not only with God, but with each other, that's where we learn what it's really like to be like Jesus. Oh, it's so easy to live like Jesus when you're by yourself. But then put yourself with some other people at church and try to do something. You might just be surprised how much growth we got. For real, right? You know, I had a friend tell me once, she says, you know, I really thought I was a good mom. And then I had kids. <laughs> There's something about the context of working closely with people, doing life together, that begins to expose areas of maybe weakness and opportunities for growth. Every say amen. amen. All right, so I'm going to pick up where I left off last week at the Lord's table. Again, say the Lord's table. All right, let's go to Luke 22. So we were reading about how Jesus introduced communion, and this is the Last Supper, the night he's going to be betrayed by Judas, handed over to be crucified the next day. He says to the disciples, this is my body, eat it. He gives them the wine, this is my blood, drink it. And then let's read what happens in verse 24. The disciples bickered. <laughs> I mean, you know, families bicker. Even church families Okay. They're like, I don't want to admit it, but it's true. The disciples bickered over which one of them would be considered the greatest in the kingdom. Jesus interrupted their argument, saying the kings and men of authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects, claiming that they do it for the good of the people. They are obsessed with how others see them. But this is not your calling. Everybody say, uh-uh. He says, say the world's way is my way, my thoughts. Oh, but I justify it because I know best. No? Okay. I'll just talk to myself. It's for the good. You know, we want to look good. We're, we're obsessed with how other people see us online, in the house, where we're at. Nothing's changed much, has it? I read this, and I don't know about you guys, it seems like this is pretty relevant today. Amen? But this is not your calling. We're at the Lord's table, learning the Lord's way. Ready? What does he say? You will lead by a different model. Everybody say different. That means we got to learn something new. The way we used to do things before Christ, now we got to learn a new way of doing things because of Christ. Right? You will lead by a different model. The greatest one among you will live as one called to what? Serve others without honor. Ooh. Now this goes against human nature. Because most of the time, we want to be seen and recognized. And they don't even see what I do. You know how much I do, worship team. I get up really early on Sunday morning, and I come in here half asleep, and I got to pull everything out, and I got to set it all up. And does anybody care that I do? I'm picking on the worship team because I'm part of the worship team, okay? Not because this is an issue in the worship team. I'm just picking on the worship team. And then I come, and I was at Light the Night all day yesterday. And then we got to clean up after Light the Night. And then I got to come here early, and I'm just like, okay, Jesus, put on me. Nobody sees. How come nobody says anything? I do this stuff for Jesus. Nobody says anything. Nobody knows what I do for church. Nobody knows how much hard work I do. Well, nobody knows how I clean this house. My kids just throw their stuff around. Who do they think? A magic fairy comes and cleans this? I'm the one that cleans this. So it's not just a church thing. It's a household thing. <laughs> and yet Jesus says... You have to understand that I'm calling you to serve whether people recognize you or not. Whether they know how much hard work you put in or not. Because you're not doing it to impress other people. You're doing it as worship unto Jesus. When you start to feel like, man, I don't get recognized enough. How come Dawn hasn't thanked me? I'm sorry in advance. It's not that you're not appreciated. It's just sometimes God allows us to be unseen so he can test our hearts. To say, hey, are you doing it for the right reasons? It's okay to want to be recognized and valued. That's an innate thing, right? But here Jesus says, the greatest among you will live as one to call to serve others without honor, without recognition, without appreciation. Sometimes what you do for Jesus, nobody will ever say thank you for. 
But you know in the book of Hebrews, it says that God is not unjust. He sees everything you do and he will reward you. Some of you need to be more excited about that. Maybe if you're not excited, you don't work hard. No, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. So the greatest one among you will live as one called to serve others without honor. The greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one who has a servant heart. The leaders who are served are the most important in your eyes. But in the kingdom, everybody say at the Lord's table. <laughs> it is the servants who lead. So you don't just come in and say, well, I have this title and this position, therefore I don't have to work. Wrong. In the kingdom, you work the hardest. <laughs> no, I want to be used by God. Then get ready to do some work. God, use me. Tell your neighbor, do the work. <laughs> you got to be willing to do the work. In our world culture, the more leadership and power and authority you have, the more you boss people around. But in the culture of Jesus at the Lord's table, the more power and authority you have, the more you serve. You're empowered to serve. Ooh, tell your neighbor, that's good. <laughs> You're empowered to serve. So here's what we learn. The Lord Jesus says, here's my body, the bread, which is broken for you. Eat it and think of me. Here's the cup. This is my blood, which is poured out for you. I'm doing a new covenant. Drink it. Remember me. And then he turns around and the disciples are like, I'm going to be the greatest. No, I'm going to be the greatest. Isn't that funny how human nature is? And they start talking, well, who's going to be the greatest? I mean, where, where, where? Jesus is going to become king. Who's going to be the greatest in his kingdom? I want this position. I want that position. Ah. Can you imagine? They're like jockeying for position. And Jesus said, oh, whoa, in this family, at this table, you are all equal and you're called to serve. Jesus is telling us in this family, it matters to me how you treat each other. He cares about how we treat each other. And we are called to model his example. And it's a different way. Everybody say different we are called to model the different way that Jesus gave for us to serve in humility. So let's look at Philippians chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Pause. Wow. Because of what Christ has done for us, because of the work of Jesus in our lives, he says, now make me really happy. Agree wholeheartedly with each other. And everybody said, ooh, that's impossible. Anytime the Bible asks us to do something impossible, it means because in our own efforts, it is impossible. But Jesus. Everybody say, but Jesus. Jesus. Now, through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, we can learn how to come together in agreement with our differences. I'll just let that soak in for a moment. Loving one another and... Working together with what? One mind and purpose. That's not my mind, or Kyle's mind, or Tito Gabby's mind, or Amy's mind, or Mike's mind. It's the mind of Christ. Hey, did you hear that? We have to come together in one mind, the mind of Christ, one purpose, what we're called to do. Let's keep reading. So don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Let's stop there. Wow, this is kind of a high calling. 
He says, as you work together, as you love one another, here's what it must look like. you got to choose to be selfless, not selfish. That means you got to consider other people's ideas, other people's interests. you got to be willing to take the back seat so someone else can take the front seat. You've got to be willing to think of others before you think of yourself. In order for us to work together with one mind and one purpose in a way that glorifies God, that means that we got to be willing to not always be right. That's it, I'm out of this church. <laughs> yeah, I'm always right. So if you're right but isn't that what sometimes really stumbles us? Why didn't they listen to my opinion? I know best. <laughs> well, I think I know. What I, no, 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 this is what I want to do. Do it my way. Without thinking about the relationship. Without thinking about keeping Fellowship intact, love, relationship, humility. Come on, I'm preaching good. You just, you just got to take it. He says, so in order to work, to agree wholeheartedly, to love one heartily, to work together, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress people. If you're just doing something to look good, then you got the wrong motive. It's not about what others think. You know what? To be honest, I'm so grateful that the Lord has done such a work in me. I could care less what you guys think of me, honestly. I'm loud, and I'm going to worship loud. I'm going to dance. I'm going to scream. I'm going to shout because I just love Jesus, and he made me loud. My, growing up, my mom used to say, <laughs> growing up, my mom used to say, you are the loudest person I know. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> and so... I inter internalized that as I need to be quieter. But then the Jesus was like, no, I made you loud. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so I I'm going to lead the way Christ has created me to lead. Now, that doesn't mean perfect. <clears throat> Let's just be real up front. doesn't mean I'm always going to do things perfect. And I'm going to look to you guys. But you can't come before the Lord and do anything and try to impress others. Because if you do, you take the glory from Jesus and you take it for yourself. And that's not what any of us want. We want the glory for God alone. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's look at the next verse. This is a powerful verse. It's short. But read it. You must have the same attitude as You must have the same attitude as Jesus Christ. That means when we come together as church and we do events and we do Sunday morning services and we do our small groups and we have all these things, the remodeling that's taken place, all the stuff that's happening, that means that we must make sure we have the right attitude and the right attitude is Jesus. You got to check yourself. Come on, tell your neighbor, check yourself. So how do I work together, serve together in a selfless way, in a way of humility? I got to check my attitude, refuse to be offended. Come on, hey. That means if somebody hurts my feelings, I don't allow the devil to use it as an opportunity. I walk in forgiveness. I walk in humility. I walk in victory. Because in the church, you will get hurt. Church hurt is like for real. Church hurt keeps people out of church. Well, if you think you're going to go to another church and not get hurt, wrong. Why? Because churches are full of imperfect people like us. Yes, like you. So you'll just go, well, I'm hurt at this church. I'm going to go somewhere else. And then you'll be in that church. This church is great. Oh. This church is horrible. I'm hurt. <laughs> and that is a problem we have in the culture of the American church. If you're hurt, pray through it. Don't leave. And if you need help to get over it, come see me. I'm gentle. I'm tender. Don't worry. But I will. I am loud. But I will. I can be, I can be quiet when I need to be, Miss Peggy. 
But we can work through it. Why? Because the enemy seeks to destroy the church through division, through hurt, through misunderstandings, through cultural differences and personality clashes and this and that. And I'm not seen and I, and the enemy just gets in and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm out. I'm not going to that church no more. I'll watch it online. <laughs> we love you if you're watching online. But if you're watching online and you're not here because of church hurt, forgive the church, come back in Jesus' name. And so we're going to continue to look because the next couple of verses, we just put that up, you must have the same attitude that Christ had. Look at what his attitude was. It spells it out for us, picking up in verse 6, I believe. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. The original Greek says he emptied himself of himself. That means in order for you and I to be like Christ, we have to empty ourselves and not worry about status, position, title, authority, but Jesus alone. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. So he came what? In humility to serve. He didn't come as the king of the Jews born in Jerusalem from the line of David. Hear me roar. He was born as a baby in a stable to nobody parents. Why? So he could relate to you and I. He took the humble position of a slave, was born as a human. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. Everybody say obedience. Do you know to obey God, you have to humble yourself. That means you have to decide that he's God and he knows better than you. Everybody say preach. That's where, If you're having a hard time obeying something God told you to do, then you need to realize that you need to humble yourself. And know that his ways are better. Come on. Thanks. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. I like the NIV. The NIV says that he humbled himself even unto obedience to death on the cross. That means you and I need to humble ourselves in obedience even if it means dying to myself. Thank you. And that's not easy to do, but you know where I get to practice this? In the church. When we're having meetings and discussions and big events and little events and all these things that happen. You know when we get to live this out? When we're trying to work together. Whites, Filipinos, Hispanics, other Asians, all kinds of cultures and ages and backgrounds and everything. But if we will do this and see what happens. I'm excited. Tell your neighbor, get ready. Because here's the next group of, oh man, when God showed me this. So Jesus modeled humility, servant heart, and obedience even unto his own death on the cross, right? Then this is what came as a result, which is why you and I are called to live in humility, to be servants, and to obey even unto our own death because there's the result. Tell your neighbor, get ready. The result's coming. All right. Here we go. Therefore, everybody say. Therefore. That means because of what happened. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name whew, above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, I can't help but preach like I'm black in gospel. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue, both in heaven and on earth, they will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. So if you and me as the body of Christ at Heights Worship Center, get this. If we will learn to work together, serve together with one heart, one mind, one purpose, loving each other, learning how to walk in humility, selflessness, serving hearts, obeying Jesus even when it hurts. Therefore, the name of Jesus will be exalted. Therefore, the name of Jesus will be exalted. Oh, come on. And at the name of Jesus, every knee bows. Every tongue declares that he is Lord. 
You want to see a breakthrough of the presence of God in the house? Live like this. It's not about the perfect chord progression and the perfect songs and the Jurinic ending, the lights and the cameras and all the cool stuff. You know what brings the presence of God? Unity. You know what brings the presence of God? Serving and loving one another in humility. You know what brings the praise? It's like he can't help it. He's like, oh, my people. Oh, that smells good. And he just comes and inhabits the place where we are. Oh, to be the place where God inhabits. But the devil will try to wound us. The devil will try to church hurt us. The devil will try to distract us, to destroy us, to discourage us. Well, I don't like to go because so-and-so's in that meeting and oh, they just rubbed me the wrong way. Maybe that's why you should be in the meeting. So you can learn how to work and live with someone who's your brother or sister in Jesus. Hmm. So that the presence of God comes. Therefore, he was exalted to the highest place, given the name above all names. Do you know what the Bible says? Jesus said, if I will be exalted, if I will be lifted up, then I will draw all men unto me. You don't need a marketing scheme. You don't need great advertising. You don't need some cute promo. If you have the presence of Jesus in your place, then he draws people to him. That's the result, and we're called to have that same attitude of Jesus, to be willing to walk in unity. But remember, unity is not uniformity. He's not asking for a bunch of robots. I love God. I love people. I love God. It's going to be expressed in different ways. You can be yourself and express this attitude. we got to love each other, work together. It's Jesus over me. It's the body of Christ over me. It's putting others before me. Not thinking of myself only, but thinking of others too. And as we do this, it will be awesome and it'll be challenging. Right? But it's an opportunity to work out. I've come to understand the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's in me, but I got to activate it and work it out. Oh, patience. Oh, that was a hard worship practice. Kindness, kindness. <laughs> Self-control. Oh, I got to work out. <laughs> Look at challenges as opportunities to activate the Holy Spirit in you, to utilize what he's already given in you, but you got to work it out. Work it out. Tell your neighbor, work it out. Work it out. Whew. And I have to say, I have to say, I'm really proud because I feel as a family here at this house, we've come a long way. We really have. This is not a message that I'm angry at. No. Actually, I'm, I'm really proud of all of us in this room because it hasn't always been easy. But it's been worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. I really feel like it's worth it. It's worth it. And I don't know about you, but I feel like my life is so much better and richer because of the variety of people that we have. I'm so grateful that I don't belong to only a white church. I love you. Because this is a picture of the kingdom of God, every tribe, every tongue, every language. Not one culture better than another culture. That's the devil. In Jesus, we're one. Tell your neighbor, we're one. Okay, I'm preaching good. Let's keep going. 1 Corinthians 12. I got a lot of scripture. That's my hardest part is I always have so much scripture. And I'm like, all right. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit. Everybody say same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. Point to yourself. 
The same God does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. You and I are called to help each other. Help each other in the good times and the bad times. Help each other when things are going great and when we're having a hard time. Help each other when it's just carrying chairs. Helping each other when we're pottering because it's a marriage. We got to be willing to work together because it's the same Lord, same spirit, same God. He works in different ways so we can work in different ways. How I choose to do the dishes probably looks different than the way you choose the dishes. Who cares? The dishes got clean. Look, if you're going to work with other people, you need to just learn what I said. This will save some arguments at home. Hey, the clothes got picked up. Maybe not the way I'd have done them, but hallelujah, the clothes are not on the floor. You are welcome. Take it home. It will bless you. And it's the same. You, isn't it amazing how many parallels are in our real like blood family that we're born into and the church family we're adopted into? Yeah. Because God is like trying to teach us something, how to work together. Different gifts have different expressions, but it's all the Holy Spirit. We had churches of different denominations, different backgrounds yesterday, but it's the same Spirit. And that is the common denominator, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Amen? So what does that mean? We got to keep the Holy Spirit central. Fruits of the Spirit. Now you know it. When you start to feel yourself getting a little worked up, fruits of the spirit. You'll see me in your head and you'll thank me. It's okay. Maybe we should make a meme and then you can just play it on your phone. No, it's okay. I'm kidding. Let's keep reading. Verse 27. All of you together, say together. You are Christ's body and each of you is a part. Thank you. Of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second prophets, third teachers, those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? No. Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret them? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. And now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And then it takes us into 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about love. That chapter ain't just for married people. That chapter is essential to the body of Christ. That chapter is between the communion, chapter 11, chapter 12, the, the gifts of the Spirit, chapter 13, how to love like Jesus, chapter 14, the gifts of the Spirit. It's like Paul all of a sudden said, wait a minute, if I'm going to be talking about gifts and working together, I better talk about love. Because <laughs> if I don't talk about love, forget it. So he sticks love in the heart of what it means to be a church, to have the order of the church. He said, you can have all of these gifts, but if you have not love, you miss the point. And what I like about the scripture, he says, not all of us are going to be called to do the same thing. You might do something for a season or you might be called to a certain thing, but that doesn't mean everybody has to do the same thing. I am so grateful that God created it this way. Because there are things that we can do together that would be incredibly better than if I tried to do it by myself. Like like the night. When people have different gifts, different talents, different abilities, motivated by the Holy Spirit coming together, we can accomplish more for the body of Christ and the kingdom of God than we could ever do by ourselves. So you might say, well, why do we keep partnering with the other churches on the campus now? You know why. Because we are better together. This is not a, oh, we are just a heights people. Don't come over here, we're heights. You're somebody else. No, we are a kingdom people in this house. Tell your neighbor, we are a kingdom people in this house. You know what that means? We can leave this house and visit others and work with others. Just come back home. (laughs) 
Mama Don said, come back home. And he says, we're not all called to do the same thing. There are different expressions and different callings and different giftings, but every single one is equally important. Equally important. The person, Robert, who goes around and vacuums the carpet is equally important to me who gets up here and preaches. The people who clean the, the bathrooms, I don't even know who they are. Jesus knows who they are, and they're equally important to the worship team. To those who go to the shut-ins and visit the ones who can't come to church and you don't even know their names, Jesus knows their names, and they're equally important. Because in God's house, we all have an equal part to play. Different, but equal. Tell your neighbor, different, but equal. So the very last verse of chapter 12, he says, let me show you the way of life that is best of all. 1 Corinthians 13, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and the angels, in other words, if I could be so eloquent in the way I speak and communicate, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gang, gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm loud, but I don't want to be noise to God. I can be loud with love, Jesus likes that. But loud and obnoxious without love, Jesus don't like that. You can be eloquent. You can write the best things and best speeches and scripts and have all this following on social media. But if it's not with love, you're just making noise. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge. And if I had such faith I could move mountains, but I didn't love others. I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and I even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Okay, get ready. Because these are the muscle groups we're going to have to practice. Love is patient. Come on, do, some of y'all need to do some exercises. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. It's not boastful, proud, or rude. Get those lunges on. <laughs> Love is patient, kind, not jealous, boastful, proud, rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. keeps no record of being wronged. That means when I've forgiven you and we've made it right, I don't bring it up in another future argument. We got to row that boat. When you forgive couples, families in the house, when we forgive, it must be done. You cannot bring it up again. You let Jesus handle it. If there's justice or something that needs to handle, God says, I will, I'm the vindicator. I will move in vengeance. Let him decide how to do that. But you don't bring it up. All the people of this house say, okay. <laughs> Work it out. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Come on, read it with me. Love never gives up. Read it with me. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That means you and I, we don't give up. We persevere. I keep coming to church. I sit next to people maybe I never thought about sitting next to before. You thought I was going to say people you didn't like, huh? You thought. I didn't say that. If you thought that, Jesus. I don't know. Look, when we're talking about something so serious, we have to have a little fun with it. Amen? Because when we're called to serve together, to work together, to fellowship together, we're going to have opportunity to practice this. And why do we practice it for the glory of God? Why do we practice it to become more like Jesus? Why do we work it out? Because Jesus said, I've given you a new command. Same dinner, same last supper. He says, I give you a new command. You've heard it say, love your neighbor as yourself. I say, love your neighbor as I love you. He just took the bar. 
He says, in this way, John 13, 35, in this way, all men will know that I am God. How will the world know that there is a real God the way you and I love each other? The way you and I treat each other? The way you and I get out of our comfort zone and go out to eat with people maybe we haven't done so before? Maybe when we're willing to, draw, to join a small group and realize, oh, we're not that different after all. We all got the same junk in our life. When we realize that we're better together than trying to live as separate independent Christians. We are called to live in fellowship. We're called to work together. We're called to serve together. This chapter ends with prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. But love will last forever. You know, when you get to heaven, God's going to ask you one question. How well did you love others? Because we have two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. That's why you got to work it out. And you got to love others. Not as you love yourself, but as Jesus loves you. You got to love God and love others. These are the two greatest commandments. Everything else he teaches hinges on these truths. And I believe when we get to heaven, he's not going to say, Oh, Don, how many people did you preach in front of? Oh, Don, how many songs did you write? Oh, He's going to be like, Don, did you love well? Did you love the hard ones? How about these ones in your life? How did you do with those ones? Did you love well? Look at 1 Peter 3, 8 through 9. Work it out. This week, when you feel a challenge in your marriage, work it out. When your kids are challenging you, work it out. When that co-worker's coming at you, work it out. When you got to serve with somebody at church, work it out. Work it out. If you go home with anything, go home with that today. Work it out. The power of the Holy Spirit working out the fruits of the Spirit. Love. Kindness. Yeah? Yeah? 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9. This is my last scripture. Come on, worship team. Finally. Everybody say, whoof. Finally. <laughs> say, finally. This is finally in this verse, not my sermon. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Again, not your mind, not my mind. The mind of Okay, I'm making sure you know. This side knows. How about this side? The mind of? Okay, just checking. You should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. You know what that means? Don't take pity. Oh, pity. No, like care about each other. That's what it means. When I sympathize with someone, their pain, their suffering moves me to action. I got to care about each other. Do you know that you are responsible as members of this house, to care about each other. We got to be aware and we got to care. Love each other as brothers and sisters. I like that. Because we are all brothers and sisters, right? We're adopted into the family because we're at the Lord's table, right? But how many of you know we're going to fight like brothers and sisters sometimes? I'm the oldest of five. So I know what I'm talking about with siblings. I've seen it. I won't tell them. My, oh, I wanted to tell a story, but I won't, I won't tell a story. Because it's not about me. It's about my siblings. I won't do that. Come to me afterwards. I'll tell you a funny story. Because I don't want my brother or some of my sister to see this online and be like, Don, what you doing? All right. <laughs> Love each other as brothers and sisters. And you know what? No matter how much brothers and sisters fight, they got each other's back. No matter how much they squabble, they family. And there's something to understanding that level of commitment you and I are called to in this house to the level of commitment of brothers and sisters. We are bound by the blood of Jesus. And that blood is stronger than the DNA in your family. Be tenderhearted. What is tenderhearted? It's the opposite of hardhearted. Tenderhearted means I care. Hardhearted is like, well, that's your problem. <laughs> Tenderhearted means I keep my heart pliable. I, I forgive. Tenderhearted means to forgive. Tenderhearted means that I care. I pay attention. I'm not shutting my heart down. I'm keeping it open and tender. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble 
attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate when ins with insults when people insult you. Work it out. Work it out. Everybody say instead. Pay them back with a blessing. Jesus said, bless those who persecute you. Bless those who mock you. Bless those who give you a hard time. Bless those who make your life a little challenging. Oh, bless you, brother. Might take on a new meaning for you. <laughs> bless you, sister. <laughs> Come on, read it. That is what God has called you to do. And he will grant you his blessing. Who here wants God's blessing? <laughs> do this. Deuteronomy tells us blessings follow obedience. You want, everybody wants the blessings of God, but in order to receive the blessings of God, you got to obey God. That means how we treat each other matters. That means we got to be of one mind, caring about each other, loving each other, being humble, taking on the attitude of Christ, and serving Him first. Amen? We'll turn down the lights, and I want to give you an opportunity. If you'll stand to your feet, work it out, stand to your feet. Work it out. But I'm so tired from light the night. It's all right. You go home and take a nap. Work it out. Stand up. Oh, Jesus. You show us incredible kindness and patience because you put up with us every day. Whew. Can you just think about that for a moment? How God tolerates you every day. And in not a, oh, there they go again. But in a, come on, I love you, child. Don't you know I'm for you? Don't you know the things I have for you are for your good, for your blessing? If only you would open your heart to receive it. Come on, take a moment to thank God for bringing you into his family. Thank him for teaching you a new way, a better way. Thank him for showing you grace, showing you kindness. Thank him for his forgiveness over your life. We thank you, God. Yes, come on, take a moment. I want to hear you. Be loud like your pastor. Come on, use your mouth. Just thank him. Tell God that you're so grateful for what he's done. He forgives you every day over and over and over again. He's incredibly patient and kind. He is rich in mercy. He never gives up on you. He perseveres and lavishes you with love. How great is the love of the Father that he has lavished on us that we would be called children of God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for loving us so. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. And now I need you to take a moment to talk to the Holy Spirit. Where do you need to work it out? If you've been hurt in this church, this is an opportunity for you to release that hurt to Jesus and receive healing. If you've been hurt by other believers, I'm really sorry for that. But it is the consequence of learning to live together and work together. It just happens. But don't let that keep you from God. Don't let that keep you from fellowship. Don't let that keep you from the blessings of God. In this moment, release it. And as you do, the healing of Jesus is going to come in. Come on, as you release church hurt to him right now, or maybe there's hurt in your marriage, maybe there's hurt with you and your kids, wherever that is, you need to release that hurt to the Father. And in this moment, he's going to bring healing. He's just going to come and bring healing over that place of woundedness, that place where you've been hurt, maybe mis uh, done wrong, maybe you've been betrayed, falsely accused, misunderstood, whatever it is. Release that hurt to him and receive the healing of Jesus. God, we give that to you in this house, Lord. We choose to love and forgive. In this house, we choose humility and service. In this house, we choose you above all things. So we release church hurt. If you're at home and that's why you're not here today, I'm lovingly inviting you wherever you live to find a place to be with the body of Christ, to let go of church hurt because the enemy is stealing from you the blessings of being part of a church family by keeping you home. It's time to come home. It's time to be home with your family, home with the Father who loves you.
For some of you, the Holy Spirit's just showing you there's, there's one muscle he wants you to work it out this week. I don't know what that is. Maybe you gotta be more patient, less irritable. Maybe it's in the way you use your words. Maybe it's in your temper. You need a little self-control, a little kindness. Whatever it is, ask the Holy Spirit, help me this week to work it out. I want to grow in this area. I want to move my muscles. I want to grow in patience. I want to grow in kindness. I want to grow in self-control. I want to grow in these areas. I want to work it out, Lord. Help me work it out. For the glory of your name, Jesus. Holy Spirit, help us. We thank you that you have called us to be part of this house and this family. And we know that it's not by accident, but by divine appointment. Church, look at me. Everybody look at me. You need to understand something. You are here because God put you here. Okay? You didn't come here because you're like, oh, I like that church. Maybe that's what you thought, but you're here because God has called you here. And if you're called here, then you have a part to play. It's not just a handful of us. And that's something I'm so grateful for our church because I read the statistics. Most churches only have 10 to 20% people that work. In our church, I think it's closer to 99. It's really high and I'm so grateful, but you need to know that you're valued. I want you to know that I appreciate you, your diversity, your gifts, your talents, your investment. When you come on your day off, when you give extra for Christmas, when you do extra for light the night, when you come really early to do the tech team, to do the worship team, the prayer, the greeting, the coffee. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for how you serve. When you stay late and clean up. When you pick up trash, whatever it is that you do, do it as unto the Lord. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it unto the Lord and not for people. And if I don't ever come and see what you do and thank you, forgive me. I'm, I, I'm limited. But Jesus sees what you do. Jesus appreciates what you do. He sees everything that nobody else sees. Not only at church, but what you do for your family. Not only at home, but what you do at your place of employment or your school. He sees it all. And he is a rewarder. He's a blesser. So I'm just going to pray a, a, a blessing over you guys. If you're ready to walk this out and work it out, and you want a blessing, come on. It's all about you, Jesus. As we choose this week to work it out, to walk it out, to love you and love others, we do so by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we receive right now blessings. We receive blessings of grace. We receive blessings of anointing. We receive blessings of favor. We receive blessings of breakthrough. We receive blessings of healing in our relationships, in our family, in our homes. We receive blessings of overflow in Jesus' name. We receive them pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We receive it in Jesus' name. We glorify you. We honor you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Visit us in person or online at hwcim.org.